Liv is our next speaker with a background in environmental activism before coming in ICURN I am increasingly concerned at the amount of waste generated by the healthcare industry. In another lifetime, I have worked for environmental organisations including Greenpeace, the Wilderness Society and Northeast Forest Alliance. I have been involved in formulating a recycling and sustainability program in my regional ICU and hospital committed to help reduce the environmental burden created by our unit and hospital. Well, that's great, and I think you should come up and tell us all about it. Um, so this is a presentation called The Green Line, and unfortunately when we called it The Green Line, everyone thought it was The Green Mile, and I work in intensive care. So I don't know if you know the movie. It wasn't great. I wanted to um, call it Code Green, but I only thought of that later. <laughs> so, this is just the trials and tribulations of a program that we started to recycle in our ICU. Um, and there's no data or st statistics in it because that's all pretty dreary. I think everyone in this room is pretty confident in their belief that uh, we have got a huge responsibility in healthcare to minimise our impact on the environment. We have a duty of care and we need to um, extend that to the way we manage our hospitals. Um, so it's just the how-to, what we did, how we did it, and the bottlenecks and barriers that we came up against, which, although it's been increasingly positive and it's been an amazing program, it's been really hard. But I really want to encourage just one or two people to start a program in their own unit. So why recycle in our hospital? Uh, you know, it's simple. There's nothing fancy and flash about it. We can save money, reduce emissions, and what we found through our program really improves staff morale. The intensive care that I work in, everyone loves it, they've owned it, they feel proud of it, and then when they get deployed out to, their, um, to the other wards, they're so sad that they can't recycle. And many of our staff now have started recycling at home. So it's been amazing. We did lots of research before we started our program. Um, and I, I, some of you might know my other half to this program. Her name is Isabel Rendo. She used to work in this ICU. I don't know if anybody knows her. We did lots of research before we found what the problems were and we found we actually have an existing service agreement between New South Wales Health and our service stating that we have to reduce the volume of landfill by 40% in 2020. We are nowhere near meeting this and there was no, nothing in the future that we were going to be meeting this. It was just um, brushed under the carpet and until we started this program, everyone didn't even know about it in our hospital. We are the biggest hospital in, uh, the biggest industry in our region and, and that's true of all over the world. A hospital is the biggest industry in most regions and produce the most waste. And as I said, we have a duty of care that we're not upholding. So when I started nursing as... Um, Janet said I had a big environmental background and I remember my first day on PRAC, there was just this sea of waste in front of me. You know, everything I opened was a once-only product and it went in the bin and I thought, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. I can't enable this. I can't support this. And that was in 2000 and now it's just become second nature. I work in ICU and if a sick patient comes in, you know, I'm pretty messy, I've got to say. You know, there's a whole table worth of crap in front of me that's all just going into the clinic, into the um, general landfill. 
And then I was standing in the pan room with my friend Isabel one day and we were looking at the skip and it was overflowing with all these consumable, potentially recyclable materials. And while we're standing in our pan room, we thought, we don't actually have to do this, we can change it. It's all just about um, organisational change and seeing if we can actually start a program. And that's what these waste management systems are designed for. They're designed so you put your, your, your um, product in the bin and it goes away and you never see it again. But there's no way. It's, there's just no way. It's got to end up somewhere. We just had massive floods. You probably saw in the news uh, in the news recently in Lismore. And before the flood, we had about ten years left in our big hole anyway. So we have to do something about our waste. So hospital waste is obviously costly, economically and environmentally. It's a no-brainer. So just I'm just going to have to race through it because I'm aware that um, we've got lunch and we're running a bit late. Yep. So for your um, info, Lismore ICU is a 13-bed unit and it's combined ICU, HDU and CCU depending on what's going on and what consultants are on. Uh, we are the largest hospital in our unit and all the real sick patients come to us. There's lots of peripheral hospitals but the big ones, the sick patients end up in Lismore. I can't actually tell you how many beds we've got but I think it's about I think, I think about 200, because we're currently undergoing a major $80 million expansion. So with that expansion, it means whole new buildings and other ones are being torn down. And I'm so sad we didn't start this, um, you know, five years ago, because there's not one solar panel being put on that building. There's not any water management system in place. There's no, no real thought about what we're going to do in terms of making it sustainable. Um, and that'll change because we have this has had a massive impact on our hospital at the Green Line. So watch this space. Uh, before the Green Line, there was zero recycling in ICU. We were paying to get rid of our high-quality cardboard to recycle, which is bizarre. They probably should be paying us. It's a resource and it's a good quality cardboard. There was um, some amazing people in theatre and also in renal that were doing recycling, and they still are. However, um, it hasn't been as effective as it could have been because they didn't have that collaboration with other partners like our recovery facility. So I'll tell you a bit more about that down the track. So as Bella and I were uh, researching for our program, we found alarming statistics that ICUs can create actually up to six kilos per patient per day of waste. That obviously depends on the acuity of the hospital and the acuity of your patient. You know, imagine you have a dialysed patient all those five litre bags of dialysate, you have them on a ventilator. There is so much waste that can potentially be recycled. Uh, and 60% of the waste generated in, in ICU is potentially recyclable. Everyone is um, quite worried about the potentially pathogenic nature of waste in hospitals, but studies have shown that that's 15%. So your household garbage is way more potentially pathogenic than a hospital waste. You should be using your clinical waste effectively, so that sort of disregards that, that myth. And we have wasteful buying practices, so we've talked a fair bit about, about procurement. And when we were studying, uh, researching, we didn't really think about it, we didn't really you know, know about it, and then we found that it's actually number one is procurement. We needed to, um, well, we will be expanding our recycling program to be more of a sustainability program and try and look at our purchasing practices. So um, when we first started, 
Uh, we did everything the wrong way. Bella and I had never done anything like this before. Um, we're not, but we just go to work. We do our job and we go home. So my advice to you is to do it the right way and do it in this order because it got us into a fair bit of trouble to the point where we almost had the plug pulled. So research, research what you're doing so you can tell the exec um, why it's a good idea. And like what, is it um, Megan, what Megan was saying? Um, if someone else is doing it, get the, the evidence-based background. Well, why can't we do it then? If it works there, then why can't it work here? So then we did a staff survey um, to find out if anybody was interested. Like you were saying, you want the people that are already in your court. And that was our staff. We're really super lucky. We have a really green area in northern New South Wales. Um, we're a very um, environmentally intelligent race, I suppose. And so people recycle. It's on their agenda. They recycle at home. They wanted to recycle. So the staff survey showed most of our staff respondents and they all 100% said they wanted to recycle. They wanted recycle in the ICU and they thought it was valuable in the entire hospital. Then we approached our nurse unit manager, which at the time was uh, Di Goldie. Oh my gosh, she was amazing. She was 110% and she was so on board that she made our job super easy. She's since left and we've had a few other acting nums and they've been equally um, on board. So that's also really important that you get your line managers on board. The audit, well, we, we kind of stuffed up with the audit as well. I suggest you do an audit before you start. We had to, um, we had to audit halfway through. But anyway, the outcome of that audit obviously was that we weren't recycling and, um, anything before we started our program. We did staff education and we were pretty naive. We thought we could just do a few in-services and chuck a few bins around the unit and voila, everyone would know what to do. Ha. Ha. That didn't quite work. We had lots of different um, problems down the track, but um, the staff just wanted to hear what we wanted, what we were going to do. That was the bottom line. They wanted in-services. They, they had never thought about recycling in a hospital. They'd never thought about the implications of, you know, carbon emissions of a hospital. And when they heard the statistics, it blew their minds and they just didn't want to enable it anymore. Uh, then we... Well, then you should go to exec uh, with all of this and get approval, apparently. <laughs> so... We, um, we was, okay, the honest truth is we got about six, seven months down the track and realised, oh man, we haven't told exactly what we're doing and everybody in the hospital is talking about our green line and it must be costing them money and what are we going to do, freak out, freak out, freak out. So we made an appointment with our <laughs> director of nursing. We were sweaty, we were like, what are we going to say, what are we going to say? And we sat down and she thought we were fantastic. She thought we were brave and we were, you know, insightful and go ahead, you can do whatever you want. So we thought we had the go ahead and then a few months more down the track we get this email saying, what are you doing? What is the green line? Who gave you permission to do recycling? So it all started again and again and again. No one was communicating with anyone. There was no networking. The Don wasn't, connect wasn't connecting with the D-Don. It just became, as I said, a total nightmare. So... We made formal appointments to go and present our, our program to the um, execs and, and then we got permission. We put the paperwork in and got permission. So don't do that because you look like an idiot. 
So the humble beginnings in February 2016. Um, it's really, I'm not going to tell you how to recycle because it's totally dependent on your recovery facility. We have had a lot of money injected into our recovery facility and, and note it's not a recycling facility, it's a recovery facility, it's economics. They get our recycling and they package it and then they send it off. So what happens to it after that, unfortunately, we don't know, but at least we're recycling. Um, so we got the recovery facility people to come to talk to us in the hospital and physically show us what we can and can't recycle. You know, in the hospital, you've got these strange little things that you don't know, you know, what's inside them and they don't like composite materials. So anything that's made out of two different products. So they, we went through and they told us, yes, you can recycle this, you can't recycle that, etc., etc., etc. Then uh, we educated the staff and about four months down the track, guess what, it was the wrong guy and he told us all the wrong information. So then we had the right person come and we started again. So who knows, maybe we're doing it right, maybe we're not, but we are doing it. Then communication with cleaning staff. Um, man, I don't know what to say. Every time I present this, I don't know what to say. They can make or break it. And who was it that said that they've had, they very politely said, someone, was it you, that you've had hospital cleaners for a long time that have been cleaning for a long time? Yeah, and everyone knows those cleaners. Um, to be entirely honest, it's gone from them being really amazing and supportive and fantastic to downright obstructive. And they're the ones that, they're the ones that recycle in the end. We do all of, all of the stuff, but they're the ones that are going to put it in the right bins and are going to take it down to the loading bay and deal with it in the right way. And there are right ways of doing it or it all just goes into landfill. We've tried lots and lots and lots of ways of encouraging cleaning staff. Um, they, th they sort of said things like, there's too many bins, but I actually took 20 bins out of the unit. Or it's too heavy, but it's not heavy anymore because it's a whole bag full of soft plastic. Um, it's really tricky. You just have to ask them for advice. In the end, I just sort of asked them advice and said, well, what do you think we should do? And they it was one of the cleaning staff that actually gave us the idea to have our triple system. So they kind of then had a sense of ownership. They felt important and they felt like it was going to work. But there's always going to be people you aren't going to please. And I don't know what to say. It's been really hard with the cleaners. So education, we started doing some education and first of all, you know, with any organisational change you have to start slowly before you actually um, start the program. So we kind of just did some, some fun things about um, environmental um, uh, climate change and health and really informal get-togethers and informal in-services. And then most of those in-services would go over our half an hour and we'd just chat and talk about recycling at home and it became a really good way for staff to start thinking about it in a really casual manner. We put this collage up on the wall of our tea room that looks pretty how you're going, but it worked. It was this tactile, really accessible way for people to have a really easy visual of what they can and can't recycle. Um, and I don't know if this is the before or the after bit with the, the wrong guy that told us all the info. But um, anyway, I won't tell you all the streams. As I said, it'll be different in your facility and your recovery facility. This 
as dodgy as it looks, was probably the most um, effective way of telling people how to recycle. Um, and it, since it was in the tea room, it was really easy for people to just walk in and out. Oh, what's that? What's what's with the weird collage in the tea room of the ICU? And then it created dialogue throughout the whole hospital. Then we started doing more formal education and more formal in-services. We obviously have an ongoing communication book in our ICU. Anyone can write in it, as long as it's PC these days. And we always ask staff for advice or if they've found any problems or any information, please come and talk to us. And we get a lot in the communication book. People are really into it, especially when we first started. Feedback is always encouraged and anybody who wants to join the green team, although no one seems to want to. <laughs> yeah, I will, but then you give them a job when they don't do it. But I guess everyone's busy. And then surveys. The second survey we did after we started, about six, 12 months, everyone said they loved it. Please keep it. We'll be devastated if the ICU recycling stops. Meetings with heads of department are ongoing as well. Um, and they're always after night duty. They're always the day after night duty. So I'm always just sitting there almost crying because I'm so tired. The first one I went to, I did leave in tears. I, was, I just felt like I'd been attacked. I felt... I'm so upset because they were like, why would we recycle? This is not going to save us money. Prove that it's going to save us money. And there was not one single conversation or dialogue about it being an environmental issue, which was so sad to me. So I left going, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. So about a year down the track, the last one I went to, they've just given me permission to roll this out in the whole hospital of Lismore Base. So persevere. Um, okay, this is another funny one. Um, this is uh, Bunnings green cloth gaffer tape. And one night, Judy, it was quiet, mind you, we were looking after our patients. Bella and I decided we'd borrow the builder's um, spirit level and put this all the way over the um, entrance to the ICU. So if this is the ICU entrance, it went all the way around. It took us hours. And she's just, she had to be meal ready for her. She was just so exact. They're the fire doors. <laughs> So we found out later that don't put it on a fire door because it's not allowed. <laughs> and about five, we thought about it for about three minutes and then we thought, ah, nah, there won't be a fire. We haven't had a fire, it's fine. And no one's asked us really to take it down yet. So <laughs> be careful. See, we just don't do it the way we did it. This was great. Everyone talked about this. It has to be visual. It has to be a bit kooky and everyone will talk about it. This is what we want. We want to engage in communication. We want to make everyone excited. It, drab and boring is just not going to work. So the green line in action, my life has become bins. It's all about bins for me now. And I think I wrote in my thing I gave you, I would marry these bins if I could. We did lots of research about bins, <laughs> so much research. Um, the barriers to a re effective recycling program in any workplace, not just hospital, it has to be easy. No one's going to want to walk from here to here to recycle, and that's not even an exaggeration. It has to be right under someone's noses to recycle. Um, and we have the luxury in ICU and also I guess if you're in theatre or a cath lab or somewhere, you can have a lot of space for some bins. We also found that they have to be all together so that you can, because in Lismore we need to separate our paper from our soft plastic, so it has to be a one-stop shop, which is Jeff, one of our staff, said, it's just like a one-stop shop, I don't have to move anywhere. 
we have to make sure that they're well placed around the unit and we just ask staff if it's if it doesn't work just move them just tell us if it's no good just let us know it's all trial and error so we're lucky we can you know they just go missing and they walk around but I managed to get one for almost every bed bay um, don't tell exec because they're expensive and they haven't found out so they also need to be well signed. We didn't have much sign on, on them at first. I know it's not very sexy talking about bins, but I've got to talk about it. Um, but they want, the staff wanted to know pretty much exactly what goes in every bin, especially visiting staff, because that's, that's sort of your downfall. Um, they, um, they don't even know that there's a recycling sometimes in your unit, even though there's the green line and there's the signs and there's the crazy maniac running around yelling at people, they still say, oh, no, there's no recycling is there. So you have to make sure it's signed. Um, the colour coding is going to really depend on, obviously, you know, health mandated. You've got your oranges and your purples and your yellows and whatever. But also with um, your local council. So that's why we came up with the green, the white and the blue. As I said, um, the hospital is now going to have not these fancy ones, but uh, at least one recycling and one general waste at every single sink in every single part of the hospital. So at least paper towel will be recycled everywhere. That's the start. We're going to start simple. Um, and signage around the unit was tricky. We first of all put lots of signs and then we decided that, oh, no one's looking at the signs. There's signs everywhere. Who, who can tell what sign from what? So we took a lot of signs down and just did one in key areas at the entrance in the nurses' bay and near the sinks. Everyone wanted neat and tidy. Um, I'm not so good at neat and tidy, but they wanted neat and tidy. So I think it's pretty neat and tidy. Do you think? Um, so there's also this one, um, which is we recycle our toughy containers and all the small things like every single um, normal saline amp and all those little um, caps, even caps off your antibiotics, um, small arterial, cap, arterial line caps, um, anything small hard plastic goes in them so they even get recycled. So we just have recycling galore. So even though we have one, two, three bins, then we have this other one that's over there. People do it. It was really hard at first. Like, oh my, you could see people standing, oh my God, which bin, which bin? But now it's just really normal and easy and everyone just does it, except a few, but we don't, we don't like them. So rubbish, I am the rubbish queen. <laughs> These are our, our uh, loading bay. It's tiny compared to yours. Yours probably takes up you know, 10 blocks. We're going to have issues when we start recycling in the whole hospital because this is just the intensive care unit, um, the impact that it's made. Um, this used to all be white and blue is recycling. We've also got, you can't see in this photograph, on the other side there's skips, which is all now, we've got the cardboard. On the other side of here is printer cartridges and other miscellaneous things that get recycled. So it's gone from all being clean, uh, general waste to this tiny little skip full of general waste and then all the other skips are recycling. And this is just ICU. So this is just from one unit change. And so much so than the recovery facility and the council have come to us saying, oh my God, what's going on? We're going to have to change our um, delivery. Um, so procurement, which few people have mentioned. When we first started our research, we never really thought about procurement. 
until we found that it's number one. That and pharmaceuticals are the biggest carbon emissions of a hospital. So buying practices can contribute up to three quarters of a hospital's carbon emissions. And when you're looking at refuse, rethink, reduce, reuse, recycle, refuse, number one is refuse. So don't buy it in the first place. If it's a product that has a very high um, life cycle um, rate, don't buy it. Ring the company and say, we're not buying those arterial lines because the arterial line is five centimetres and the packaging is 20 centimetres. We're not buying those tourniquets that are all individually wrapped in plastic. They don't need to be sterile. We'll just have one per patient out of a big box and use it for that one patient the whole time they're in hospital. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if, if we should do that, but that's what we do. Um, is it? Okay. <laughs> I need some evidence on that to give my exec. Um, polystyrene, we got rid of all of our polystyrene cups. Actually, we got rid of all our disposable cups and bought rewashable ones. The staff, I go offered them if they use them. They're only allowed their own cup. Um, we try, we got rid of our plastic medication cups and got paper ones, so they're biodegradable as well as compostable. And I try and encourage people just to have that one cup, you know, if at least for the one day. It doesn't really work, but sometimes it does. We got 100% recycled printing paper in our unit that only costs, you know, a couple of bucks more. And um, now the whole unit is 100% recycled paper. And I'd like to look at metal um, instruments because I'd like to be a metal merchant. I think that, that'd be cool. We just um, send it all for incineration. So if we can sell our metal clean it and then sell, sell it, I think that would be fantastic and it just sounds cool. We should repurpose things as much as we can, you know. You have, for instance, we do stupid things like we have all of our cables for our ECG monitoring and we wrap it all up and so that they don't get messy, it gets put in a little plastic bag and then put in the cupboard. Why? Why are we doing that? And then people chuck that plastic bag away. That's it's ridiculous. Use that plastic bag for something else. I don't know what, but use it for something else. So... This whole product life cycle is important. The energy that it uses to make that product to then get transported to the facility, around the facility, then we have to buy it in the first place. And then most of the time, these products get used once and that's it. They're thrown and taken into landfill. It can't happen. We have to stop. So the bottlenecks and barriers, they've been many and they're really ongoing. But these are just the four that I thought I'd bring up. The first one I've talked about is about getting exec approval. Let them know what you're doing. Follow the right protocol in terms of starting a program. We didn't expect this to snowball as much as it was as well. We thought it would just be a small program. Like I said, we'd throw a few bins around and we'd end up having recycling, maybe, maybe not in ICU, but it has just really... Th it's, it's amazing what we've done. Um, and they want to know what's going on, apparently. Get the cleaners on board from the get-go. Speak to your heads of department for your domestic services um, and do some education down there. Go down there and organise some education. Um, if you can even get some of your staff to go to your recovery facility to see that the recycling um, is actually getting to the facility because a lot of people here, especially the cleaners, would say to me, oh, it doesn't make it to the recovery centre anyway. It just goes straight into landfill. But then if you take them out there to see it, which we organised one day, they saw the big mounds and the processing treatment plant and it kind of made them think, oh, actually, yeah, this is working. 
We have lots of boards on their door as well to ask for feedback so they can write on there if they have any issues and we write back and they write back and we write back. Gloves was massive. That was probably the biggest issue we had. So any, um, any contaminated bag won't won't go into the recycling. The cleaners shouldn't have to fish through bags. That's gross. So they just put it straight into landfill. Um, we tried lots and lots of ways to stop the gloves contaminating the recycling. And I'm going to blame visiting staff. I reckon it's always the visiting doctor's fault. It's mostly everything's their fault, but that's their fault mainly. And we put signs up, we put big red no gloves, we blew up gloves and we put them on the bins and said no. I chased around people and said, you put those gloves in that bin? And they said, it wasn't me. And I said, everyone says it wasn't me. Like it was a nightmare. And in the end, what happened is that incidentally, the, oh, the gloves were blue and the recycling bins were blue and everyone's wanted to colour coordinate in Lismore. So they put their blue gloves in the blue bins. I was like, man, you're also colour coordinated. So we changed the glove colour to cream and then everyone's like, oh my God, I better put the cream gloves in the white bin because it looks better than putting them in the blue. And it was like, you guys are weirdos. And it worked. <laughs> and you know what? Now the gloves are going back to blue and people still put them in the cream bin. <laughs> so it's weird. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Don't know what you're going to do with that one. You know what would work? We need to get green biodegradable gloves maybe, but they're really expensive. Oh, but our green, I've got to go on the blue. Blue and green should not be seen without a colour in between. So consulting the right people is so, I can't tell you how important it is. We, if we had done everything the right way and if we had asked all the right people, it would have probably been easier. Um... But, you know, we, we're getting there and it's a working process and it's, it's just going to just keep going and going and going and going and, and it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So this is the old presentation. It's a bit shorter. So this is, um, this is the old presentation. I sent an updated one earlier, so this is a bit wrong, but that's okay. So where are we up to now? We did an audit of recycling in 2016. It wasn't 40% of waste, it was nothing. This is the baseline. There was nothing being recycled besides a few cardboard boxes that people didn't take home when they moved house. That's all that got recycled. Um, then 12 months down the track, we did another audit and 40% of our waste at least is being recycled. And... Um, I would suggest that on a really busy week when we have those big flus and we have lots of dialysed patients and we have lots of vents, I would suggest we would be close to 50-55%. Um, so for us to have managed that in 12 months with me and Bella as the green team organisers is quite miraculous. I'm really proud of it. And the team has just taken it on board and run with it. Um, we've also had the number and the volume of our recycling skips, which is the photo I told you with, uh, showed you before with the big blue bins. We used to have the recovery facility come and pick up um, two skips three times a week. They've had to add another really big skip and they have to come five times a week. Uh, and as I said, that's just intensive care. So I don't know what's going to happen when the whole hospital recycles. There's not enough room... I keep saying that to them, but they just go. So, 
They want to park their cars. Exec want to park their cars where the where I want to put the bins. Like it's saying, well, just ride a bike. I ride my bike. Ride your bike. Oh, I'm too far away. Oh, I'm too old. I've got bad knees. So I can't really go into facts and figures, but we spent. Um, this is a 2016 January 2016 figure. It was two hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars for landfill um, disposal. And at the time, we were only paying the recovery facility three and a half grand to get rid of as much recycling as we want we could. Since we started our program, they said, oh, maybe you should give us 15000 now. So that's gone up. But that's okay. It's still massive savings to be had, especially when you realise once our recycling goes up, our landfill will come down, which the tip has already seen happen. They've come and spoke to me and said they've already seen it. They've got no evidence, but they've already seen that it's gone down. It's really hard to measure because the recycling is high volume, low weight, so it doesn't get weighed. And they will send, they will empty the skip, whether it's brimming or whether there's a couple of pieces of paper in the bottom. Um, then they will go on, the contractor will go on and pick up everybody else's recycling. So it's really hard for me to get an idea of how much we're saving, which, which really sucks because we have to tell exec what, what we're giving them and how much we're um, saving them. So if you guys in your area has any way of thinking that out or have had any experience, please tell me because I'm at quite a loss at what to do. This, this, the numbers aren't right here, but with our purchasing savings, we um, are trying to slowly do an inventory of all our equipment that we buy and a lot of it is very wasteful. For instance, the one um, product we had was a suture set when they'd put central lines and vascats, et cetera, in our patients. There'd be this big packet of suture material. There'd be five or six instruments and the doctors would be like, I'm only going to use two or three. So the rest would be thrown out, which would be in our clinical sharps, which gets incinerated. And that's $15, I think, uh, $15 a, a tub. And the packaging that went with that as well was highly wasteful. So we just thought, well, this is ridiculous. We'll get something that's more purposeful. So we collaborated with the doctors and we all were happy with what we came up with. It's a smaller packaging and there's three, um, three instruments that they will use all of them and they don't need any more. So there's so many products you can think of that you use that's the same. We just slowly, slowly have to keep going through that. So we're purchasing a lot more effectively. And as I said, the whole of Lismore Base is to commence recycling. Um, I don't know when, but, you know, apparently it's going to happen soon. Um, Bella and I have nearly finished a hospital education package. So um, we're going to go around to every ward and it's going to be mandated that they do this education package. And I'd like to do it sort of pretty informally. I'd like to get people encouraged and excited, not make another in-service or another piece of um, rubbish that you have to do on the computer every year. But we'll see. So what's next? Always education and communication. Always, always, always. I wish that I had communicate. I do wish that I communicate with our staff more. But you know, life gets away with you, and it's a busy unit, and you don't always have that in-service time that you are allocated. Um, and things do change. We get more and more products. People will, year and a half, come up to me with the most obviously recyclable things, saying, is this recyclable? And I'm like, seriously, you, you didn't know that? So it's all these things that people just slip. They slip through the cracks. Need to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. I think I'm a bit more um, 
I think I'm a bit more positive than I was just then. Community promotion programs. I'd love to do a big day at the foyer, you know. I want to wear green scrubs and paint my face green and dye my hair green. But um, this is also a work in progress. The hospital are keen for us to do it, but they want to have it really systematic and they want to make sure that we know what we're doing before we tell people what we're doing. Clearly, I haven't been so good at that yet. So I have to prove to them that that's going to happen. We're nearly there. We're really, really, really close. Um, and the staff, we also did some surveys uh, that we handed out to staff. We handed out to our ICU patients and families and there was 100% of those responders also were positive and thought that we should recycle. So I think, we'll, I think that they'll love it. But as I said, I do live in Lismore. It's really green. Uh, PVC recovery program, I won't go into that, but we can't recover our PVC. Baxter won't take our products, um, which is a real shame. You probably can in metropolitan areas, but it will come at a cost to us, so we can't do it. We're a public hospital and there's no way that the hospital will agree. Join GGHH. Far out, man. It's free. Like, it's this amazing platform. I don't know why they won't join. I don't know why our hospital keeps fobbing me off. It's weird. I just don't understand it. They're such an amazing organisation that can't help you enough with whatever you want. They're friendly, they're approachable, they're helpful, they have this global wealth of knowledge on any environmental or sustainability project. If you can join as a unit or an individual, but as a unit, I think it's fantastic. I want the whole of Lismore Base to join, so that's another one I'm still trying. Um, expand our program across the district, which I think I probably have already hopefully done. Audits, we need to create a lot more evidence and, and get a lot more um, data and monetary figures because it's always money, money, money when I go to the waste management meetings. I think I went to the sixth one before I had an actual outburst about why has nobody mentioned the environment? And the response I got from them was almost like, oh, you're just being a bit of a dramatic hippie, aren't you? And I'm like, oh. So... I need to give this money and volume. You need to just have all this ready to go at your meeting to prove that it's working and that they will continue with it. Um, promote to other ICUs across... New or just any, anyone, anyone. So thank you. Thank you for coming. And we'd love to have a sustainability or procurement officer in Lismore Base and I was pretty keen to do it, but I'm not... I'm, gonna, I'm putting my job to travel on my bicycle soon. So someone else will have to do it. Um, and a BYO water bottle campaign. So every patient in our hospital gets three bottles of water every day. <sighs> I'm not even going into that because I'll cry. So we were lucky enough to attend Europe. Um, Clean Med 2016, which is uh, Europe's largest sustainability conference. Um, Copenhagen's really great. If anyone wants to go, it's fantastic. We were in a real slump, Bella and I, at this process. In this um, time, we were just so over it. It was, why did we start this in the first place? It was hard. We had exec on our backs. We had um, no time. We're not getting paid for any of this. No one seems to think that we deserve any money. So it's all just what we do at home and, you know, bits and pieces here at work. So we were kind of, yeah, we were on a bit of a low. So my friend Bella found this conference and I've got friends in Copenhagen. So I'm like, yep, Joyce, let's go, done. So we got on the plane. We jumped off the plane and they gave it, my friends had two bicycles ready for us that we jumped on. One was an e-bike for my friend, but they didn't give me an e-bike. 
Um, and we rode 40 minutes to their house and then 40 minutes back to the conference every day, 40 minutes, and it was like two degrees. <laughs> and it was fantastic, man. So this is what we learnt. It was a fabulous, fabulous conference. It was set up from by Healthcare Without Harm. So procurement accounts for nearly three quarters of CO2 emissions. So that's clearly something that we need to look at in Australia. We're lagging behind. It's terrifying. Um, we need to analyse what we buy. We really need to do inventories of every single item that we buy in a hospital. The, so I think we talked about the NHS. They've done some amazing work in the last 10 years of reducing their carbon emissions. And since we are very similar to them, we can really take some big lessons from the NHS. Now, this sending the 20% for combustion in, combustion in Holland, I think you touched a little bit on the incineration. In the capital region of Denmark, so Copenhagen, less, we were surprised and amazed to learn that less than 1% of rubbish goes into landfill and the rest is burned. And so you think, wow, that's great. Nothing goes into landfill. Oh, my God, everything's getting burnt. But they say, oh, but we built these big pipes 50, 60 years ago and then that gets turned into energy, so it's okay. It's, it's fueling us all because it's so freezing. Um, and we put big filters over our incinerators so nothing really gets, gets put into the atmosphere. So we were a bit confused coming from Australia. We didn't really understand it. Um, and they also burn a lot of biomass, so a lot of their green waste then doesn't get composted. It gets burnt for energy. So confuses me. I'm not sure. Um, so looking at the complete cycle of care, products are really made responsible, uh, companies are really made responsible for what they give you. For example, there's these um, programs with the inhalers. If they send out uh, the inhalers to the hospital, the puffers for asthma, they'll all be sent back to the company and it's up to them to recycle them. So they've got... Um, you know, they, they don't want to give you a whole bunch of stuff they then have to collect and get rid of. Packaging as well is owned by the companies they send it, so the packaging is actually returned to the companies. And what was completely bittersweet about this trip is that policies are all government-driven. Here we are lobbying, 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 lobbying. My whole life is about lobbying governments. And over there, it's kind of the other way around, you know. A lot of the time, it's the healthcare industry is mandated by the government. So our waste is what we buy. If we don't buy it, we don't get rid of it. It's so simple. Like for me, it's so simple. Don't buy it in the first place. And be more assertive about it. Ring the companies and say, no good, this is no good. We'll go to another company. We don't want this, change it. I'm not buying it. And then you ring the next company and they say, oh, okay, yep, we'll sell you something that's bigger, and uh, that's smaller, the packaging is smaller. And then all of a sudden, everyone will be knocking on your door. So the best hospital bed is one that isn't needed, really, isn't it? I'm not going to do the last one because it's the old one. I think it's a photo of me and it is the worst infection control. My hair's down. I've got long sleeves on. I'm in the clinical area. It's bad. It was a bad night duty shot. And I think I have, I think I have green hair. <laughs> I had another, another one. The glass going in the bin. It's going in the right bin. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a great, what a great presentation.